Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens around it. You are home from the hospital. Yes, I am. They took out about a foot of your intestine. Yes, they did. And overall, it seems to be going fairly well. Overall, yes. Lots of bumps and swerves. But none of them are in your intestine anymore. No, they are not. <laughs> so I'm all stapled back together. You are all stapled back together, and you're going to have staples in you for the rest of your life if TSA wasn't paying any attention to you before. They will now. Maybe. Well, I have to tell them. Yeah. When they ask if you have metal in your body, I have to say, yeah, I do. Yep. So there. Last time we talked, you were getting ready for your pre-admit appointment, and we thought we might get back to the microphone before you actually went to the hospital, but we never did. We're funny. We are funny? Yes. Why? We think we're going to. We we think a lot of things lately that just don't happen, because that's the nature of all the shit that we're dealing with right now. That's how we do it. There's an old saying, man plans and God laughs. I think we should be doing more laughing about somebody else's plan. I I don't know. Don't know. Mm. That seems like possibly mean unless they really deserve it. Well, mostly we have to laugh about our own plans. Yes, it's mm-hmm. true. I'm not above a little Schadenfreude occasionally, but tell me about that pre-admit appointment. What what all happened there? You were talking about before that you would need to discuss with them the challenges that they might not expect based on the differences between your body and the body they might expect. Right. And this is what I've read in other stories from trans people. Do, do the health people know and do they need to know these things about me being trans? You know, we had been talking about that with my cousin Vinny. Uh, Vinny says, hey, do they know that you're trans? And how does that have to do with them digging around in your guts? And I say, yeah, I guess I better talk to them. So going into the pre-admit, that was my intention. And so I was comfortable with that topic. You didn't have the anxiety around it because you already had a plan and you already knew kind of what needed to happen. Right. So one of the things that was interesting is um, you start with the paperwork. Yeah. I know that's not really interesting. But on the paperwork, one of the forms had something about, you know, they give you the choices of when was your last period? And that doesn't, of course, apply to men unless you're a trans guy and maybe it should apply to you. Right. So when it came to those types of questions, I made sure to answer them anyway. And then... Your last period was in 2013. Yes. So they would have that information. Yes. Even though I did check the box mail. Yes. Some of the other questions, one of the page of questions had to do with breathing. Because, you know, they want to watch that you're breathing okay after surgery, which is important for lots of reasons. Yeah. But in pertaining to me in particular, I have had some issues with that in the past. You've sputtered awake a few times and I hear you stop breathing on occasion. and Right. Yeah. That's at home. And then after surgeries, I've had this issue of not br- not breathing in between when I should be breathing. Yes, Somebody your caretaker a- then was saying that they had to keep poking me, poking you to make yeah. you breathe. <laughs> hey, breathe. <laughs> I think it, it's a bit in, uh, of an advantage 
as a male person and presenting as a male person that they're going to pay attention to that more because the forum is geared towards guys. Like there's only five or six questions, but the factor that you're, one of the questions is, are you male? Leans towards them saying, oh, we need to keep an eye on you. They're asking about risk factors and maleness is a risk factor. Right. So before when I was stopping breathing, but I was female presenting, it was, eh, nobody was paying attention except my own caretaker who happened to be sitting there and saying, hey, this is not okay. Yes. But they they pay more attention to that because that's one of the the things. So I was glad that they had this form and and I could write on there. And and I don't remember the whole form, but I do remember that it was also one of the forms I had to indicate that I was trans. And then I I also qualified on there because people do sometimes get confused uh, that I was F to M, female to male trans person. Well, they'll see you and you, you pass really well. Nobody questions you at all. So if they see you and they see trans, they're going to think, oh, have you started estrogen yet? They might think that because remember our friend who who's moved out of state, mm-hmm. he had that happen Yes, when he went somewhere. Yeah. So I, I wanted to make sure they, they had it in the right direction there. Right. And further confuse them. So that, that part of the process was done. And then you go in the back and the guy who came and got me, he was gender different. I liked him. That's great. Yeah. I wasn't sure exactly what his scoop was, you know, for any reason in particular, but I could tell that he was... His presentation was not stereotypically masculine. Not at all. I love that. Me too. I always love that. But to most of these guys, my presentation is... Stereotypically masculine. Yes. Yes. Even if they are not, I don't necessarily change what I'm doing because I'm just me and I don't think before as a butch dyke you could smile at them and they would smile back and recognize you as family now as a fairly neutral presenting you know not hyper masculine but just traditionally masculine guy you smile at them and they're gonna be like uh no that's probably true but I don't I don't necessarily smile at them I'm just busy yeah listening and talking answering the questions right but I think that they it, it's my perception that these people notice especially the gender different people start to notice that you are paying attention differently than the usual bossy straight guy. Yes. I'm not mansplaining. I am listening and asking questions. Good job. Thank you. I have questions. I'd like them answered. There you You go. But anyhow, I I like this guy. And so I was talking to him and then I asked him, I said, you know, they, they have a procedure like you go back and you get weighed and then you go with him to talk about whatever technical stuff is going to get them to get your credit card. Yep. Then they give you to the nurse. But I did ask him too. I said, okay, so I know that this hospital has me down as transgender or transsexual, whichever they might have as terminology. But I wasn't sure that my doctor's notes had that. Right. And he said, okay, you can talk to the nurse about it. That's that's good. Talk to the nurse. Uh-huh. You know, then I realized at that point we were just at the, okay, run my credit card. Here's Can I have your money now? Can I have your $1,000? Thank you. And and he, they always look a little uncomfortable at that point because they're, you know, waiting for whatever flack the person who has to hand over the money is going to give them, mm-hmm. which I'm used to handing over my co-pays at this point. So I'm just like, here's yeah. the money. Fix me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So then I, I went and sat with the nurse and had my questions answered, which 
were about the same topic for me, but maybe not as obvious for her without me saying, again, about the hospital and the doctor, the record's not, I don't know if they match. And my other questions being about what is the plan for when I get out of surgery? I think the first thing you asked was, what are they going to do about me using the bathroom? And they said, oh, they'll just give you a urinal. Right. Yeah, that's that's it. And then I said, I, I can't do that because my urethra is still facing the wrong way. And she said, oh, okay. You know, and she she had indicated already quite, she, she answered quite clearly, actually, that I would not have a catheter because I like to take it out as soon as possible after. If I've had one during the surgery, uh-huh. they like to take it out because of risk of infection. And I said, okay. Well, last time I just got up and down and she said that should be fine. And I said, okay. So I don't know if these records match. And she looked in the hospital records and said, oh, yes, I see the, the hospital records there where you are correct. And no, I don't see them in your doctor's notes. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to call them, but I want you to call them also. Everybody was great to deal with. Nobody was asking me- inappropriate questions or trying to satiate their curiosity at your expense. Or even having a reaction that was visible. Like there wasn't the momentary jaw drop picking it back up and then going on with the interaction. There wasn't even any of that. You couldn't see the questions coming up behind their eyes as they were trying not to say them. Nothing. It wow. was great. It was so great. That's awesome. Yeah. And I was also very comfortable because this this was my decision that I needed to go and take care of uh, what does who know and how does that affect my surgery. Right. And I had been working a little bit that week. So I'd gone to, to work and then realized my appointment was slightly sooner than I realized, but it's like down the street from my work. Right. Gone over to the hospital, which they told me would take about 30 minutes. I didn't believe them, but I didn't think it would take two hours. Right. And then I came back and my work wife said, 30 minutes. So I had gone back to work. So I didn't actually call the doctor's office till the next day or, or something like that. Maybe late that there, maybe the next day. But I called them a little later than I had planned. I wasn't concerned because the admit nurse was also calling and she was going to call them right away. Yeah. So... I called and left them a message mm-hmm. at the surgeon's office. Yeah. She didn't call me back. Now, I didn't say call me back, but sometimes they call you back anyway just to say, I got your message. Right. But she didn't. And I thought, well, hmm, okay. I called and, and the hospital called, so I'm I'm okay with that. I can always check again later if I need to, but other things were going on. I was trying to get ready. Yeah. I had to do surgery prep and I had to take the boy to his Cub Scout uh, crossover well, picnic. Yeah, there were a lot of other things. There was we'll a talk lot about of, those in a completely yeah. separate I mean, episode, yes. But, but I'm just mentioning that there was a lot yes. going on. There was no time kind of dwindles short. So as you are getting everything packed to go to the hospital and taking the gastrointestinal cleansing prep solution diuretic thing that they make you take. They make you take a whole load of crap. To basically make sure that there is no stool left in your intestine to accidentally infect the rest of your innards when they staple it back up. Yeah, and they go digging around in there and cutting it up and so forth. Yeah, there Yeah, they want that. everything cleared out. Understandably so, but then that day you're going into the hospital and you haven't been able to eat in a couple days, and for the entire past month, your overall diet has been fairly limited. It's been limited, and it's also been extra limited, I'll call it, because... At points I can eat the things I can eat, and the other points I can't eat the things I would have maybe been able to eat. 
Yes, your digestive system also has a tendency lately to only absorb minimal amounts of what you've eaten before sending it right on through. Yeah. So your weight was really down and you mentioned something about that on the day of your admit for your actual operation. Yeah, my weight has been down throughout this process. I mean, I pretty much lost the 20 pounds right away and then tried to hold on to the rest of it as I've been going along. And You lost 20 pounds in about two weeks when you first got sick when we took you to the ER last time. Yeah, about two and a half weeks. So then I had some hopes I would maybe gain a little bit back while I was waiting for the surgery to come up. I mean, you made pie. I ate it all. Mm -hmm. I did what I could. You did. But I didn't gain any weight. No. One of the things I noticed just before the surgery, the you know, more weight falling off because now there's nothing in your body. Yeah. I looked at myself. I don't think I looked in the mirror. I just looked down and I saw how small I was. Yes. Like just really skinny and small. And it reminded me of being in my 20s. And this memory flooded me of how dysphoric that felt. Mm -hmm. in my 20s to feel so wrong because that's how it felt. I mean, I remember once in my 20s as I was getting out of the tub or shower and, and seeing myself in the mirror and thinking, whoa, there's a naked, no, wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and yep. then being like, oh, this is wrong. But I had been yeah. dealing with it so long that I just dealt with it. But that state of my body put me in that memory of how wrong it felt. Uh -huh. When I was a very small person. And I have to say, back then, I used to get sick a lot. Uh-huh. I didn't realize I had a bent nasal septum, and, and that was one of the things that would cause me to get bronchitis every year, and then, of course, I would lose a lot of weight. So I was a very small person, you know, a hundred and something pounds. Less than 110. Yeah. Throughout most of your 20s. Mm-hmm. And... So I can understand how losing a lot of body mass could cause you to connect with that dysphoric moment and have that sense again of, ah, this is wrong. Yeah, it, it was sort of like the feeling I can best equate it to is you think you're getting in a nice clean shower and suddenly there's a spider web on you and you're like, ah, get it off. Aww. And you're trying to shake it off and then mm -hmm. you realize that what that was. Mm -hmm. That that's the best best description I can come up with of, oh, okay, it's off of me, but that's not what I wanted. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I know it was there. And so you just yeah. you know, move on and have your shower. Yes, this would be the process of re-traumatization. Yeah. That's yeah, how it works. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. With a good sense of where I'm at now, but where I'm at now is a lot of muscle has been lost. Yes, that's true. Every, nothing fits me. My, my Some of my shorts almost fit right now because I'm bloated from the inflammation of the surgery. Right. All the rummaging around they did in my guts is made it swollen, and so my pants do stay up. However, my shirts look like they're two sizes too big. I hadn't noticed that, but you're also a straight guy, so nobody notices how right. you dress. Well, I noticed it with my when I went to work. Right, My right. shirts were too big. Yes. They were only a size too big. Right now, everything feels two sizes too big, but that's yeah. because I have lost yet more weight. Correct. So that's understandable, but it's it's unfortunate that as you're, you know, just trying to get something managed, then all of a sudden, boom, dysphoria. Right. And I didn't have the dysphoria that I had last time in the hospital, where I had the, my dick is missing, dysphoria. 
Yes. I mean, it's here, but you guys can't see it. Right, right. That's that's understandable. I didn't have that this time, and I think that had to do with the, okay, I'm just going to be an out trans guy. Right. And, and that made that better. It did. So the way I've been coping with the weight loss and the especially loss of muscle, which has the potential to continue that thread of dysphoria, is to think about... Well, you know, Child Zero just bought some weights, and as soon as I can lift weights, I can get some muscle back. Yes. And and then the muscles should stick out because there ain't nothing else sticking out. <laughs> right? Which, of course, my brain first goes to a dick joke, but... Right. <laughs> Sorry. But it's awesome, though, that, like, nobody made you feel that way. And even when the focus was on your genitals, because they said you weren't going to have a catheter. Liars. But even when they had to help you remove it, they weren't like, oh, this is different. No. They they were just like, here's what we're doing and let's get this managed. Everybody was professional and just super about everything. Yeah. They were spectacular. They were wonderful to deal with. And and they would say to you and I when they come in, you know, the nurses and CNA would come and talk to us and say they enjoyed talking to us and stuff like that. Well, I think they also enjoyed talking to us because compared to, for example, your roommate, which again, they, they housed you. I thought this was great. They just didn't even question and they just gave you a male roommate. And this time it wasn't the recurring MASH episodes and smoke stank visitors. This time it was recurring like juvenile teenage cartoons and pot stank visitors. Yeah. And our real bummer was that he had the window side. He did. And when they first brought you into that room that morning, I set my things down on that window side because there's a little couch over by the window. Mm -hmm. And then there's a little curtain and then there's another bed and like a chair, like one of those stacking chairs that has a rigid frame and a soft cushion, but then it's like designed to be stacked with 20 other identical chairs. Mm -hmm. And that's what was there on the side that they put you on. And I almost asked them, can you put him on the other side? Because I'm going to be staying with him and I'd like to be able to stay on the couch. Mm-hmm. But then they ran off to go do other things and it didn't happen. And it could be that the roommate they gave me, his partner might have already asked for that because she did stay overnight on the couch every, right. every night. Yeah. And, you know, we didn't think about that because the other hospital room had this cool separation of those two sides. So both sides had light from windows and yes, that was great. equal space. See, we obviously have spent too much time in hospitals because we are just describing all the assets and disadvantages <laughs> of, yeah. Yes. And I found it, you know, here's another gendery thing. Our stereotypically dude bro roommate was utterly amazed at the competency of the female nursing staff on more than one occasion. If he wasn't complaining about them. If he wasn't complaining about them. And then he was telling one of his male visitors about some woman he knows who's a life coach. And that was also totally amazing to him that this woman could help people have better life. He was really clueless about anything outside of his own gender. Yeah. He was gender restricted. 
limited in his yes. thinking. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he demonstrated that sometimes on an hourly basis. Oh, for fuck's sake. Because yes. I, I would feel your eye rolls when he would say something. Because there's a curtain there. We can't not hear him if I'm going to be able to hear you. Like I can put on headphones and listen to a podcast while I'm doing my work because it's the end of the school year and I had to type in grades and stuff like that. So I could put in headphones and not hear anything. But if I wanted to interact with you, I also had to listen to him interacting as well. Well, and you were stuck with grading still. I was. Yeah, and he had he had dove head first into the painkiller, so he was a oh, full yeah. demonstration of himself. Oh yes, there was there was no mental filter there at all. Mm-mm. Which you didn't start painkillers until after you had gotten home. Correct. In fact, you didn't start painkillers until after you had been home for a week. Correct. And you decided you needed your painkillers not so much for your gut, although additionally for that, but also for, once again, the fact that any sort of digestive issue causes the end of your digestive tract significant difficulty. My arse was on fire. Painkillers helped? Yes, they did. Oh, good. And it it also helped because part of the digestive difficulty was everything inside was spasming and narcotics made it all calm down. So I had it, as I said to you, I had to do it ass backwards (laughs) and be home for a week and then take narcotics. But it it was the only way to stop things at that point because the doctor's solution was eat more fiber. The thing is, when you've had intestinal surgery or when you are dealing with intestinal, actual physical anatomical issues, the general suggestion is low fiber, like for the diverticulitis, low fiber diet while they were waiting for the infected section to heal. Right. But I clarified that with him when he was releasing me from the hospital. Yeah. I said, how long with the low fiber diet? When do I add in fiber? What other foods can I have? And his answer was, you can add in whatever else you want, except maybe don't have a steak just yet. Wait about a week for that. Yes. That was his answer. So by the time we were seeing him in his office, which was two weeks after that, I was having a whole nother problem because I I had the surgery on a Tuesday and I came home on a Thursday because I was doing so good. Yeah, they thought they would keep you till Friday or Saturday, but you were, their words were, you were a champ. Yeah. All right, champ. That's right. (laughs) Um, They wouldn't have called me a champ. They might have called me a rock star. I, I, I know. It's funny was, to me. It's ridiculous. It is. But I had asked him, I said, so no antibiotics? And he said, no. They had me on Tylenol and Toradol, which is for anti-inflammatory. Yes, but it's also um, not an oral anti-inflammatory. They right. inject it into your IV. However, they only do that for up to five days because it can still cause distress. Well, yeah, it can be toxic yeah. after too long. Just like so that, Tylenol can. That's what I had. Yeah. And coming out of the hospital, I felt pretty damn good because I had less inflammation because of the Toradol. Right. And I came home and I was like, ouch. But still, I was pretty good on the Tylenol until the weekend when I sneezed. Oh, my God. This was bad because because I, I had avoided a sneeze earlier downstairs on the couch. And then I came up to bed and you were down there. Right. I think doing a job application. I think so, too. I was laying here just about to fall asleep, and I think that's how it snuck up on me. And I sneezed, and I felt like somebody just shot me. Of course, I wouldn't know, because fortunately I've not been shot before. But 
it's the closest analogy you can come up with to the sense of pain in your abdominal wall that has currently four one-inch holes and one three-inch hole that were cut in it for the robotic surgery machine. Yes, this was on the side of the bigger incision. And I made a, a, a noise of pain that sent my wife running up the stairs Yes, to see exactly what was wrong. I heard a thunk, like a smack, like you were hitting the table or something to try and discharge some of this. You know, I mean, people do that. You know, you smack something. Because I have it, no idea. I don't know. I heard something go smack. And then I heard. And it, it was similar to the yell that you had happened earlier in the day when you lotioned me and accidentally grabbed my side. I have for years now put lotion on your back because you cannot reach it and your skin gets dry without lotion. And normally I wipe off my hands on the sides of your torso. And so I went to, you know, just at this point, it's reflex, not thinking about that you have five holes poked in your abdominal muscles. I knew you weren't thinking and you knew you weren't thinking when I yelled. (laughs) Yes, it's true. And it wasn't just a yell. It was a like a long thing. <laughs> it was because, long and it was loud and it was fairly high pitched. Because it was really painful. Yes. Yeah. And you ran up the stairs and you said whatever you said. And I responded with, yes, ice. And so you went down and got me an ice pack and I, I laid here with an ice pack. After that. It was a couple more days that that like the the tightness of the muscle after having sneezed, it didn't it couldn't release that tension and that pain. And so we had to ask the doctor about it. Yeah, I had called the nurse that's assigned to you after surgery. Right. And And she said that, yes, you could take ibuprofen, which is what usually your body responds to best. It does. I said to her, look, I haven't taken narcotics yet. This is the pain I have. I sneeze. She said, oh. (laughs) I said, yeah. And she said, okay, it sounds like you're right. It sounds like a muscle pain. Ibuprofen would be fine. You, you know, it's been a week. Mm-hmm. You know, because I waited. They often don't want you to take that kind of anti-inflammatory right after surgery because they want your wound to swell closed so that it'll start to grow back together. Yes. So I said, great. And I took the ibuprofen. I said, she said, you could take up to four of them. I thought, oh, I don't need that many. And so you took two and promptly took another one an hour or two later. (laughs) Yes. And then I took four that night. And promptly gave yourself more digestive difficulties. (laughs) Yes. I didn't even take it 24 hours. I probably took it 12 or 15 hours. Right. Total. But by then, my digestive system was about to show how displeased it was. Yeah. So I called her again. Yep. And she was great. She calls back pretty fast each time. Like, first time was half an hour, second time maybe an hour at the most. Right. And um, just like before the surgery, said, okay, take half an Imodium, but don't take more than half at a time. And, you know, and I was supposed to come in and see the doctor the next day, so she wasn't too worried. And I I did take a half and took a half and took a half and took a half. And And in that 40, 20, 36-ish hours between the time that you called the, the last call with the nurse and then meeting with the doctor, you were still not getting there. I was quite terrible when we were going to the doctor. I was really... Not sure how I was going to manage it. Right. Uh, Everything was pain. I had had the acid runs for a day and a half at that point or something. Yeah. And he he didn't know anything when I got there. He just wanted to look at the incisions and tell me to eat more fiber. You know. 
I saw him when I was running to the bathroom after I ran and checked in, ran. You saw me how I shuffled. <laughs> I hurried in my mind. Yes, you were hurrying as much as you could. Yes. I hurried and checked in because it was time to be there. We had a one thirty appointment. It was one twenty seven. Checked in, then went back down the hall to the restroom because that's what I did. And coming out of there, I saw him walking ahead of me because everybody can walk faster with his ice cream on a stick. <laughs> Of course he was. Yeah. Tell him to eat more fiber. That's right. Is there any fiber in that ice cream? <laughs> I tried to talk to him about it a little, but he just was, you know, eat more fiber. And I thought, okay, see how this is going. Uh, so you and I tried a bunch of things. We tried what be- worked before the surgery, which was the alkaline diet. Mm-hmm. The nurse had suggested Metamucil, but that gave you gas, which most grain fibers do to me also. Right. And she said it might. That's why she said only take a half. Right. And then I had called her again. That was I called her three times total. And I said, still didn't stop. And she said, okay, try a whole Imodium, but don't take more than two or whatever she said. And I didn't because if it wasn't going to work at that point, then I just... You were going to wait to talk to the doctor, yeah. Well, no, after him even, I still had the runs. Mm-hmm. Then we just tried other things. We tried the brat diet. We tried alkaline stuff. We tried every damn thing we could think of. Charcoal, capsules, everything we could think of. I was really tired of being in pain. So I had to go get the narcotics. Yes. You still had this prescription. (laughs) Yes. And at this point, it wasn't a matter of needing to manage the abdominal pain. It was a matter of needing to, like we said, manage... Your pain overall. End. Yes. The, the overall pain. Because like I said, I did have, my gut was spasming and that was not helping the runs, but I needed it just because every effing thing hurt at that point. Yeah. And it hurt really bad. And at first you had skipped it because you get a really bad rebound occasionally from some narcotics. Mm-hmm. But so far you haven't seen any of that. Like even when you felt it wear off, you haven't had that same kind of rebound like you had before. No. And the other reason I didn't want to take it when I first came home as I thought, why get backed up? Everything was going well. Because that is another side effect of narcotics and other types of painkillers in that group that they give you constipation. Yes. But now if you are having a hard time and taking Imodium, let's try that. <laughs> and I needed out of the pain, although I was I was cautious starting them as well. I just took one to make sure I wasn't going to feel worse and uh, eventually ended up taking the full dose, which is two every right. four hours uh, until I, I actually slept and wasn't feeling like I was being dipped in acid or something. Yeah. Hindsight first. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, it's been a little bit of an ordeal. A little bit. Yep. So at this point, you're pretty much as as well as can be expected after a major surgery. You're feeling like recovery is starting to happen. Yes. But I question it because I feel that way as long as I'm taking narcotics. Well, yes. <laughs> but I'm okay with that at the moment. <laughs> it's better than pain. It is better than pain. And, and my idea, just like Imodium... If I can just get it to stop for a while and have a break from it, I have the best chance of it repairing itself. Yes. And that's what the doctors have said before, too, about other things. Staying ahead of the pain and staying ahead of potential complications. Yes. So So in the meantime, I, I've had this full face of hair because shaving is hard if all you can do is try to sit up. Yes. And I don't mind a, a proper beard or a proper mustache that's not like pokey. Your beard is fine. Your upper lip doesn't get past pokey. It doesn't. And as I started to feel better 
in a little better yesterday. I shaved part of my face because with all the hair I have on my face, I haven't had a chance, in, you know, in the past to play with that. So I thought, what's the use of shaving it all off at once? What would you describe my my current um, facial hair? You you have the the mustache to goatee, although admittedly your mustache is kind of patchy and fuzzy and faded, but it's the mustache to goatee. And then your hair yesterday before you got a haircut today was a little fluffy. And I I said, you look like the classic master look from Doctor Who. I I noticed that too when I shaved my face, but I thought, oh, well, that's funny. So I'll probably continue to shave it down because uh, it started just to remind me that that was the sick beard of I can't (laughs) shave. And and until what my beard does it just grows out and then yeah there's no eventually down. it just goes fluff and more fluff and more yeah fluff. it just gets wider yeah like the you know like my hair would do if i didn't cut the sides of it right it can get more compact but it takes a while to do that and i wasn't that wasn't what i was going for so there are beard stylists that will help you manage it and thin it the right way to let it grow long if that's what you want, but that's mm. not what you want. Not necessarily what I want. Although I did notice that by being able to let let my hair grow, my facial hair grow, that my mustache has more hair coming in than it did before. So even though a lot of them are still those really thin hairs, mm-hmm. um, I think it hadn't had a chance to do that because I just shave it off. And because you can't see them when they're that thin when you're shaving, right? You know. Like the stubble. Yes. Yeah. You you have more vellum hairs and still not a lot of terminal hairs on your lip and it's not going to change, but it's more now that you can see. Yes. And you couldn't see them before and you definitely don't see them while you're shaving. So it looks a little funny, but, and I thought, you know, when I was feeling better at first before the surgery, I thought, well, I could dye it, but that just makes those really thin hairs look even funnier, I think, so... I'm yeah, just no. gonna leave it leave it alone. And I agree it is pokey. The part that's pokey is even been pokey to me. So Yeah, it, and I think I had told you when you and I had first dated, like before you ever transitioned, you were I think feeling self conscious about having a few facial hairs that were related to menopause. Um you would shave them like the second time we went out and I was like if you're going to keep up with that, then keep up with it because I hate stubble. Right. I remember. Yeah. I don't mind fur. I don't mind fresh, but the halfway stage is not my favorite. Well, and I don't, even though this hair is longer on my face. He's pointing to the sides of his mustache where it hangs down and connects with his. It's very, very pokey. It is pokey. So is that it for your surgery recap at this point? That is it. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. What are you grimacing about? I'm being quiet. (laughs) 
it's funny to me that you say that because even the act of grimacing for you goes. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was grimacing about it. Because <laughs> I had just gone. I know. Ha, 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 ha.